anybody that's been on a Navajo reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or have experienced pretty creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I've only seen one. Here's my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute Reservation to the north and the U.S.'s largest Navajo reservation to the south. My high school being so small, a 1A high school that has, on average, 80 students enrolled every year, always had to travel south about 5-10 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. This means that we traveled a lot on the Navajo Res, and we usually stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning, but this trip was a little bit different. I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put up the teams in a hotel that trip, so we were going to be on the road for a total of about 12 hours. I was the only male senior to play basketball that season. We had just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus, Big Blue. It hadn't been long, about two hours of driving, before we had entered the reservation. And by this time, everyone was asleep, with it being about two in the morning. When we had crossed the res's border, I noticed the bus driver had sped up and was now going about 85 miles an hour. I thought this was a little weird because he never exceeded the speed limit, at least not in my high school career. For some reason, I couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates, and I just sat at the back of the bus, staring out across the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit, and keeping up with the bus at 85 miles an hour. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only its face seemed to be painted half black and half white, and its eyes seemed to be glowing. Glowing like a rabbit's eyes, reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy shit. It's a skinwalker. It ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus, hurtling sagebrush and rocks while staring directly at me. After I made eye contact with it, I could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me, this inhuman smile that went ear to ear, showing crooked yellow pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumple down on all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see his bones crack and reform. Hair started appearing all over its body, and in about three seconds was now a coyote, and it ran off back into the desert and out of view. As soon as it was gone, I ran to the onboard bathroom and vomited. I didn't want to tell anyone for fear they would think I was crazy and I confided in my Navajo friend. She told me that I needed to see the chief and get a blessing. I saw him the next day. He just came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo while waving a feathered scepter-like thing, turned around, got back in his truck, and drove off. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. It might be due to the fact that I moved away from that town and reservation, and if I do have to go south... I go around, way around. I'm a wildland firefighter with the Forest Service. Not my story, but from an old supervisor of mine that I believe completely. The setting is 2004 or so, Hell's Canyon area of Middle Idaho. His crew had been working all day on an emerging incident and were going to be working through the night as well. Being the assistant superintendent of the crew, second in charge effectively, he was out ahead scouting on an ATV. He was working his way down a logging road that had not been used in some time when a bobcat or a lynx, it's been a few years since I heard the story, appears in the middle of the road but doesn't run away as they usually would. The thing stands there for a good 10 seconds, screams at him, and scampers up a tree not 5 feet off the road. He finds this odd, but not particularly unsettling. 
Just a half mile or so down the road, he finds a small cabin. Also odd, as this is federal land and no private structures should be there. Upon investigation, all the windows had been boarded shut tight and someone had done a good job of doing so. The door had been punched out and secured to a hole drilled into the log frame by a chain. Someone did not want anything getting in or out. Peering through the hole in the door, he can see that everything in the house is upset. This has him kind of unsettled, so he hops on his ATV and heads back up the road. Well, here's where it gets really interesting. Right where the bobcat had been, now stands a Native American woman in a badly tattered nightgown and bare feet, just standing there. He yells at her, asking if she needs help. She just screamed at him, the same scream as the cat before, and climbs right up the tree, faster than any human has a right to be climbing. Obviously, he nopes out of there as fast as he can. Now, I would not believe most people that try to tell me something like this, but this was a serious man that did not fuck around about many things. He was dead serious the two times I've heard him tell this story and I 100% believe that he saw what he saw. From 2012 to 2013, I did a lot of hiking in and around the coastal range in Oregon. I frequently would go out by myself for days and come into town to restock on food if necessary. It was commonplace from when I was in town to spend the whole day hiking back the four hours to where I was camping at dusk. The trail I took wasn't well traveled and looked more like a deer path than anything else. I had chosen my campsite for its lack of foot traffic and its serenity, avoiding conventional locations. I had only a cell phone on me during the period of hiking and camping, no bright clothing, and no GPS tracking device or emergency beacon. Probably wasn't the smartest idea looking back. There were times I heard and saw things while out in the forest that I didn't recognize by sight or sound, but nothing came close to the incident I had in May 2013. I had done my usual restock in a small town some six miles from where I decided to camp for the night, and I spent the day in town as usual. I started walking back to my camp location about dusk. Half of the walk, I chose to use dirt roads until veering off in the deer trail that I used earlier in the day. By this time, it was completely dark, but it was clear out, impossible to see the trail still using the moonlight. I don't listen to headphones while hiking. I have always thought it wise to be able to hear what's around me in the event there's a predator, whether human, animal, or whatever. I was mentally doing some calculations for the next day's hike when my mind literally stopped mid-track. I hadn't heard anything, and I don't make hardly any sound while hiking. If I had heard something, I would have known. For some reason, be it a sixth sense or survival instinct, I'm not sure, I was jolted quite suddenly out of the thought, and very aware of the fact that I wasn't alone on this trail. What was odd to me, especially, is that even though I had heard nothing whatsoever, no light wind or birds, I knew acutely that something was behind me, specifically about 30 yards down the trail. I still to this day have so many unanswered questions about how I knew this. Standing really still, I turn around and look down the trail. I don't see anything, but I feel it. It's honestly really difficult to pin down exactly how to describe what I felt because I hadn't felt that way before or since. It was straight up fight or flight, and my logical mind was saying there's nothing out of the ordinary, while my senses were saying, get the hell out of there. Again, looking back and remembering this, I have no idea what to say. This is really hard to write. It was like I was being taunted, and I felt it. The presence of someone, or something, was down that trail, and for some reason, I knew that it knew that I knew it was there, even though I couldn't see it. That's what still scares me to this day. It knew. And it was bright enough out 
for me to see down the trail 30 yards back, no problem. There wasn't anything on that trail, and I'll swear by it. It was like I was being taunted or beckoned to come closer. This was maybe 30 seconds into looking down the trail, if that. I was panicking, but I still wasn't sure what to think, because I wasn't seeing anything threatening. So I turned around and started walking at a quick pace. I didn't know what else to do. I knew that, if it was, in fact, a guy out to kill someone, he's probably going to end up killing me, on this trail or in my tent after following me back to it. So why run, was my logical thought. I would say it wasn't even a minute into my quick trek back that I hear what I can only describe as a sound like rushing or swooping air, followed by what seemed like a rake sliding across the dirt trail, the former sound happening right after the latter. These sounds happened together and half a second apart for four times, and they were very close to me, maybe 20 yards back. Looking back, I don't know how I was able to stay composed and not soil myself, but somehow, I mentally stayed focused on getting back to my tent, ignored the panic, and just kept walking quickly, not looking back. Whoever, or whatever it was, still followed me the majority of the next hour. I just kept heading forward and didn't look back. A few minutes from my camp location, the fight or flight feeling gradually left, and I crawled into my tent but I didn't sleep a minute that entire night. It was a Wednesday night at my college, and me and some friends were bored, so we decided to take a trip from our school to Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. If you've ever been there, you'll know that Foxwoods is on an Indian reservation in what can accurately be described as the middle of nowhere. There is absolutely nothing around besides the casino, save some old houses. We got to the casino around 10pm, three girls and two guys, and play some blackjack. Around 2am, we call it quits and decide to head back to campus, which is about a two hour drive. The fog was really bad that night. New England fog is the worst. Then it starts to rain, and driving in that was no fun. I'm driving. My boy's in the passenger seat, and the three girls are in the back. The girls, being girls, start to comment on how dark and dreary it was outside. Also, they start to play at the Native American spiritual aspect of where we were, getting themselves all worked up. Me and my boy in the front thought it was funny, more concerned with how we were going to spend the money we just won in blackjack. My old GPS usually said to get on a main road, and main road in Connecticut means a road with some buildings near it, right away, but I was using a new one and it said to take a different route. I was curious if there was a faster way back to the main highway, so I followed the new path. As I was making a left turn, the girls all screamed at once. I wonder what's up, and I noticed what we're turning into. Even for Nowheresville, this road was scary. There were no houses, just woods on either side. And although the road was paved, it was not well developed. Still, my GPS said we were on it for only one mile before we got on the highway, so I told the girls to relax. It was tough to see through the rain and fog, so I had to go slow. This wasn't fun. I noticed that there was a creepy pond to our right, and we could hear noises in the woods around us. My boy told them it was just some Connecticut deer, but... They were all starting to get actually scared, not just playing around. And honestly, so did I. I realized that if my car were ever to break down in this scary of a place, I was going to shit myself. But my GPS said 0.2 miles and we were out of there. And then, that's when the girl screamed again. I looked up. All of a sudden, the road ended and the woods began. This wasn't just some construction or something. The road just came to an end. The trees and such just started, and there was nowhere else to go but back. At this point, I got really frightened. There were no houses or light posts around, just blackness besides my headlights. Now, I needed to make a complete 180 to turn around and go all the way back. I turned my head around to look through my back windshield to make sure I wasn't hitting anything. 
and I saw the girls' faces start to quiver. I knew they were ready to scream again, but I didn't know what about. I turned around, and at the end of the road, staring back at us, was a dog. A skinny, brown-colored dog of decent overall size. It was sitting right in front of us, no more than ten feet away. And although the fog and rain were bad, we could see it clearly with my headlights on. And then, I noticed it moving, but not toward us. It hopped up on its back legs and stood upright in a very human way. At this point, everyone was silent, and I knew I couldn't just kick it in reverse because there was a nearby pond, and I didn't want to drive into it. I thought about running it over. I mean, I love animals, trust me, but if you were ever in this situation, you would think about it too. The dog didn't get back on all fours. Instead, it continued to stare. A blank, dark stare right at us. I watched as it moved its front paws toward each other, slowly. And then, it began to clap. I swear to God, it just stood there and clapped, slowly staring at us. Finally, to cap off the creepiness, it sported this deranged smile, as if it was the end for us in more than one way. I couldn't take it anymore. I turned my head around, put the car in reverse, and did a 180. I sped my way out of there as fast as I could drive, until we hit the main road. The ride all the way back to school was nerve-wracking. I have never felt so relieved to be back in my dorm. Needless to say, I'll never go back to Foxwoods. Never again. In 1970, I was serving as a corporal in the U.S. Army and deployed to South Vietnam in a region about 30 miles south of the DMZ. At the time, I was second in command of a squad of soldiers. We had set up a biovac in a jungle area that had a few steep hills. That evening, my section was ordered to patrol one of the small valleys west of the encampment. We moved out, led by our sergeant. Not long after entering one of the small valleys, we detected movement ahead of us. It seemed to be scattered activity, so we doubted it was VC, but we weren't positive. We hunkered down for about 15 minutes, getting occasional glimpses of something moving within the trees and brush. There wasn't enough light to detect what we were observing, even though the moonlight was pretty bright that night. After a while, the activity halted, so we continued to move slowly through the valley. As we approached a sheer wall on the hill, it looked like someone or something had stacked large stones and boulders in the pass in front of us. There was also an opening in the hillside that looked like a cave entrance, approximately 5 foot high and 3 foot wide, narrowing at the top. When observing the passageway, it appeared to have been cut away by machinery. The edges were smooth, with small, even spaced grooves. We were puzzled because we had never seen enemy caves like this, just underground tunnels. The sergeant suggested that it may be a VC supply depot, so we started to assess how we were going to investigate the cave. About this time, things got very strange. We began to notice a putrid odor emanating from the cave entrance. The only thing I can compare it to was rotting eggs and human decay. It was so revolting that a few of the soldiers were becoming ill and started to back away into the jungle, including the sergeant. I was directing a light into the entrance in order to observe her anything, but there was a haze that was impossible to see through. We had no idea what was before us. The entire squad took a position in the heavy brush, approximately 150 feet from the entrance, far enough not to be detected, but close enough to observe the cave entrance. We quietly remained there for what seemed like forever. The jungle was strangely calm, even though we heard rumbling sounds coming from the distance. It was really eerie. The sergeant was sitting near me talking to himself. It was obvious that he was frightened. I was looking at the rest of the squad. Each had wide eyes and was scanning the area. 
no one was going to doze off during this patrol. After several hours, dawn was approaching and it started to lighten up. I checked my watch. It was just before 5am. Just then, we noticed movement in the front of the cave. A being. I first thought it was a man. Moved through the entrance, into the clearing in front of the cave. As it stood up from a crouch, it stood at least 7 feet high and it started to look in our direction. At that time, another similar looking creature was moving out of the cave. They were making these hellish hissing sounds and looking directly at us. The only way I can describe these beings is that they look like upright lizards. Their scaly shiny skin was very dark, almost black. Snake-like faces with forward set eyes that were very large. They had arms and legs like a human, but with scales. I didn't notice any tails, though they wore long, one-piece dark green robes, along with a dark cap-like covering on their heads. I never noticed if they had anything on their feet. No one gave the order. It seemed like the entire squad opened fire at once. Every piece of vegetation between us and them was quickly sheared away. I yelled out a ceasefire order. At the same time, I was looking in the direction of the cave. There was nothing there. We immediately checked our flank in case they had circled around us, but there was nothing. As we approached the cave, ready to resume action if needed, it became apparent that the beings had escaped, most likely back into the cave. It was soon decided to set charges and close the cave entrance. When we returned to camp, we all seemed to be in a daze. There was little discussion of the incident, and we were never debriefed, so I know the sergeant never filed a report. I heard this from a friend of mine. This was in a small town in Oklahoma with a decent-sized native population. Anyway, this guy is actually Mexican. Nicest dude you would ever want to meet. He was about 35 at the time. He was driving back to the U.S. after visiting family in Mexico. His wife was in the passenger seat asleep. He wasn't too far from the border, so he decided to keep driving a little after midnight instead of stopping somewhere for the night. It was sort of a desert-type road. He says he was going about 65 miles an hour when he noticed something in his peripheral vision outside the passenger window. Something was out there, and it was keeping up with him. Obviously, this shook him up. He hit the gas, 70, 75, 80, 85. It was still keeping up. At this point, it was almost too absurd that he thought it was just his tiredness playing tricks on his eyes. Until it changed directions. Instead of moving parallel with his car, it began to angle back toward the road in a manner to intercept the vehicle. As it got closer, more light hit it, and he said, in no uncertain terms, that it looked like a human. It was still slightly shadowed from the darkness, but he was certain it was humanoid form. He accelerated to 90 miles per hour, and a few seconds later, it angled back into the darkness and was gone. As he finished his story, his eyes were welled up, and his hands were trembling. And this was a tough, no BS dude. It physically struck him to the core just to recall it. Not surprisingly, he said he's never going back to Mexico. This happened when I was about 13 or so. It was summertime, and I was on vacation with my parents. We had hit the road and driven quite a ways to visit my older sister who lived across the country. After spending time together and sharing supper, we decided to call it a night. My parents slept in my sister's bedroom, and she slept in a neighboring room with her small son. It's important to note a few things at this point. My mother is a round, short woman, with very delicate feminine features. She has round glasses, and that night, I went to bed in a long, blue nightgown. My sister, on the other hand, is very tall and athletically built, 
taking after my dad in regard to her facial features. She too has glasses, but unlike my mother, hers were square-shaped. And she went to bed in a shorter, orange-striped nightgown. These small but substantial differences are key. Now, since all the bedrooms were full, I was given a blanket and pillow to sleep on the couch with. Of course, like any kid, I watched TV for a few hours, well into the night. And around 4am, it dawned on me that we had plans for the next day, so I should try and get some rest. After tossing and turning for about an hour or so, I gave up and just laid on my back, staring at the stars visible from the nearby window. As the natural light flooded the room from the sun rising, I flipped through some photo albums. I did this for a while, not having slept at all the entire night. At this point, I was pretty bored and lonely, hoping someone would wake up soon and talk to me. Around 8am, I heard a door slowly open, and someone came out into the hallway. At my sister's house, the living room is sunken in, and a small staircase of maybe three steps leads to the raised kitchen and dining room. The hallway is also in this raised area and connects the bathroom and bedrooms. In the living room, there is a doorless archway that leads down to the basement and laundry room. This means that I could look up and see what was going on in the dining room from the couch. This person hummed a little and then was caught off guard by a table in the dining room full of framed pictures of family my sister had on display. I don't know how to describe the way they looked at the photos, besides saying that they were bewildered by them, maybe even enchanted, letting out an occasional oh and ah. I could tell it was a woman, but I wasn't sure if it was my mother or sister. This was strange because, like I said, they looked alike but were also very distinguishable. I also felt this weird feeling because... Everyone in my family has seen these photos many times, and I'd even say that they probably own a few of those exact same photos, so why act so amazed by them? I said, hey, ma, what are you doing? In a nervous yet warm voice. No response. Okay, it was my sister. Hey, good morning. What are you making your dear sibling for breakfast? No response. Huh. I knew I was definitely loud enough. They had heard me for sure. That uneasy feeling in my stomach grew stronger now, and I had no idea why. The likeness of my sister and mother was there, so it wasn't like a stranger or something. Then, I noticed something very off. They were wearing a knee-length, blue and orange striped nightgown. Their height wasn't short, but... It wasn't tall either. It was average. They had a muscular build, but could not be called skinny either. The hair was the same color as both my sister and mother's, and so was the skin color. My heart skipped, and I thought, Who the hell is this? Maybe someone else stayed overnight? But how could they? I lay right beside the front door all night. Then, they turned around and went to inspect another photograph on a wall. Their face made my heart sink. It was a hybrid of my mother and sister's most discernible features, with glasses that were round at the bottom, but squared on the top. Their eyes were not my mother's or sister's. They were very wide and unnerving, and darted all around the walls very quickly, very excitedly. It was as if my mother and sister had been Frankenstein together into one person. My knee-jerk reaction after seeing their face was to scooch my legs in and pretend I was sleeping. I could feel the veins of my neck beating very hard and my breathing became very loud and labored. Whoever the hell it was came down the stairs and looked around the living room with that same excitement. I don't know how to explain how scared I was as it came closer to me. I thought, Maybe if I stayed quiet, it would pass me. I was also scratching and pinching myself, in case I was asleep without realizing it. The pain was very real. I was definitely awake. I watched with my eyes squinted. The thing 
took up an interest in a photo album I had left on the table, very close to me. Then, probably the worst thing that could have happened, happened. My sister's portable home phone rang. My sister had answered a call last night and had put the phone on the couch's frame between the wall and its cushions. The thing's face became very alarmed and it turned in my direction and saw me. And then, it became very, very angry. I opened my eyes and looked at her in her face and just stared back, with my entire body trembling. Its eyes were pure black, total darkness like two huge pupils staring right at me, and furious. It opens its mouth unnaturally wide and screamed a no at me, and then it turned and darted down the stairs to the basement where I heard a door slam shut, all the while yelling, No, no, no. I stared at the archway for a long time, still shaking and digging my nails into my arm, begging to wake up, because I was so afraid it would come back, and I was wishing I was just dreaming. I literally could not move, because I was too scared to get up, in case it came back, or was waiting at the arch, and I couldn't speak. It was like my brain had abandoned me. An hour must have passed like that, and I didn't move. It had stopped yelling, and this, for whatever reason, was even more scarier to me because, at least, when it was yelling, I was sure it was downstairs, and not slowly climbing back up the stairs to fillet me alive. I heard a door open again from the hallways upstairs, and I stared at it, full of adrenaline at this point. It was my mom, exactly herself and in the right nightgown. She was humming as she put on coffee and started making toast. Another door opens, my sister this time. Fully as she had looked before heading off to bed, she and my mom talked for a bit and I just stared at them. My sister eventually saw me staring at them over the banister and yelled, <laughs> What the hell? Why are you just staring at me? Why didn't you say anything? And I replied back in a very shaky voice. I did. Twice. And they looked at each other, confused. I ate breakfast with them, and eventually realized that I was awake and really had not slept at any point that night. I decided against my judgment to tell them, in case it came back upstairs. They pretty much laughed at me and told me I'd just fallen asleep and imagined it. My sister told me to go sleep with my nephew and asked me to try to fix something in her room that had fallen out of the windowsill onto the floor during the night. On my way to her room, I walked by that table in the dining room and noticed that all the frames were moved and in different places than last night. I pointed this out very excitedly, like, See? And... My sister just shrugged it off and said that her sound like looking at them. I kept pressing the issue and eventually my sister went to the basement and searched every room just to make me shut up about it. She didn't see anything unusual. I lay down in the bed but didn't sleep a wink. I still think about it from time to time and didn't sleep on that couch again, opting instead to sleep on the floor of the room my parents were in and I locked the door. I've been questioning reality ever since. I'm Navajo and boy have I heard a lot of stories growing up on the reservation. While I've never actually seen anything myself, which I'm grateful for, I've benefited by being around the people who have. There is a different kind of evil that exists in the quiet high deserts and deep sandstone canyons of Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado. I can only describe it as an ancient evil. Now, there are helpful ceremonies, rituals, and traditions that are still practiced to this day. Hell, even a local hospital has an on-duty medicine man, but it seems to be a double-edged sword. What I mean is, there's also black magic which most Navajo will not even acknowledge or speak of. We are very superstitious and are heavy with taboos. You'll find this with most First Nation people. 
from Alaska to Argentina, it's just something you don't do. In fear that it will get the attention of unwanted spirits or harmful beings. Skinwalkers, or Naladushi, are just a few stories that kept me up at night with the covers over my head. Here's a quick one for you guys. A Navajo tribal police officer was driving west on what used to be officially named Highway 666. It was lightly snowing, maybe a quarter of an inch, which is a lot of snow for home. And he sees an old woman walking on the side of the road. How she got there, or where she was going, was not apparent, because she was so far out in the middle of nowhere. He didn't see her right away, but as he passes, he noticed she's dressed in traditional clothing. A shawl, dress, moccasins, and her hair in the traditional bun. Not too odd. Many elders still choose to dress traditionally. But why was she out in such cold weather this late at night? Hitchhiking, maybe. He passed her too quickly and now has to turn around. And as he makes a U-turn, he notices that she's nowhere to be seen. This is fairly flat terrain, and he's sure he saw an old woman walking. He pulls the squad car over and steps out with a flashlight. Confused, he manages to find the woman's footprints in the shallow snow. He follows the footprints until they suddenly turn into what looked like dog paw prints, leading away from the road in a hurry. He immediately jumps back into the squad car and meets up with another officer near his patrol. He's a little shaken up, but asks the other officer if he's ever seen anything like that. The officer tells him that he has. He also explains that sometimes it's an old woman, sometimes a very beautiful young girl, but always on that road and always in the snow, waiting for the right good Samaritan to let her into their car. I still get nervous driving those wide open spaces at night, and I keep my eyes strictly on the road and turn my music up high. I rarely pick up hitchhikers, but I never pick them up at night. So, my story isn't a typical story, and I'm not sure how you categorize it other than folklore, or maybe cryptid. So, a few years ago, I and a boyfriend broke up, and he started dating a girl that, in our small town, was a self-proclaimed witch, or lechuza, which, in Hispanic folklore, is a shapeshifter. She would hold parties that involved certain rituals and sacrifices. She had many cats that would die mysteriously. And if you know anything about cats, it's that they don't die easily. She had about five cats die within a year. Just randomly, with no real explanation. Anyway, I often had vivid dreams when I was younger. And this time, I fell asleep on the couch and had a very vivid dream about this same girl. She had this evil expression on her face, and she had spoken to me. It felt like she was delivering a direct message. So, when I woke up, I told my mom that I needed to talk to her, but I didn't want to speak about it in front of my dad or boyfriend since they both disregard the supernatural. We drove to a gas station a few miles down the road from our subdivision, and I explained the dream. We spoke about it for maybe 20 minutes before returning to our house. On the way back, on the street before mine, I saw a dark figure on the side of the road. I leaned in focusing on it since it caught my attention. Now, most times I disregard it as just a person walking, but this time was different. It was like something was forcing me to notice. It was maybe two feet tall and suddenly turned to face me. And when it did, I realized that it was an owl, but it was larger than any owl I'd ever seen, and the face was like a woman's. It had pale skin, its eyes were human-like, but they had no color or white to them, and it had a hooked beak like a bird. This thing's eyes were pitch black, and they pierced right through me. It freaked me the fuck out. I was instantly filled with dread and overwhelming fear. I began panicking, asking if my mom had seen it too. She said she hadn't. She stopped the car and reversed. I looked back, but... I didn't see it anymore. My heart dropped in my stomach when I didn't see it. I would have felt much better knowing where it had gone. 
It had all happened in slow motion for me, but in reality, it took all of about 10 seconds to pass by. We sat there for a few minutes as I explained what I saw, but my mom said she never saw it. She explained to me what it was exactly and how her dad, my grandpa, had shown one to her and her siblings when they were kids. They fly around and whistle like a human would, and if you whistle back, you're answering it and it'll come after you. I wish I could say that's all that happened, but it wasn't. Later that night, around 11 or so, me and my boyfriend were watching a movie when we heard a loud thud on the roof. We looked at each other like, what the fuck? He muted the TV, and we listened for a few seconds, and we could hear something moving around. It sounded like something scratching or scraping against the roof. I began crying and telling him what happened earlier. I hadn't told him because I thought he'd think I was imagining things. Him being a skeptic of the supernatural, he got up and because our room was at the front of the house, exited our room and walked past our foyer and out the front door. He backed into the driveway and looked up at the roof, but he said that whatever it was, it was gone now. We never figured it out, but it was a very strange and creepy occurrence, and it still haunts me to this day. This encounter is secondhand, but was told to me on multiple occasions by the person that experienced it. I'm a natural skeptic, so I can't say I 100% believe it, but his telling of it is pretty simple and didn't vary between retellings. I've known this guy for many years, and his advice and input on just about everything is well-reasoned and always helpful, so I'll just take his word on it, even if with a grain of salt. So, let's get down to business. My friend, we'll call him Marv, likes to go solitary camping on occasion to be one with nature and the things that go along with that. He is also an avid gun collector and enthusiast. I don't remember exactly when he said this took place, but it was a few years back, and he decided to go camping on a whim. He packed his gear, a few guns, a hunting rifle, and a 45 caliber sidearm specifically, and headed out into the country, on a vast property owned by a friend of his. He had full permission in the works. This happened close to Kissachee National Forest in South Central Louisiana. I won't be any more specific other than that. It's safe to say, it's miles and miles of forest and wilderness. He liked to hike in pretty deep and camp at a specific spot he found a few trips prior. So, he made his way in and set up camp in his usual small clearing for the night. It's now late afternoon when he heard leaves crunching and twigs being stepped on. He assumed it was an animal at first and got up from cooking something on the fire to try and get a look. He gazed in the direction of the noise and saw a man approaching through the trees several yards away. He has described his etiquette for dealing with other people in very remote places as always being cautious, as uh, most often, most people he comes across are armed as well. He tries to stay as friendly as possible, but still keeps his guard up looking for any ulterior motives, as you never can tell what some folks are up to out in the middle of nowhere. He'll make chit-chat with them, find out generally what they're up to if he can, and occasionally share a meal, etc. He's never really met anyone nefarious as of yet, other than his situation. So, one thing that sets all small alarm bells for him is that he knows he's the only one with permission to be on this property. And secondly, this guy's not dressed for the location at all. He said the guy was wearing a white t-shirt, short blue jogging shorts, and white socks and sneakers. Mind you, Marv is miles out in the middle of the woods, away from any paths, roadways, houses, or really anything. Nobody is going to casually stroll into his current location dressed like that unless they are lost or confused. It was early fall, but not quite cool, 
very normal for Louisiana. So, there's a ton of mosquitoes, ticks, and other insects aplenty. You're definitely not going to have most of your skin exposed in the deep woods if you can help it. I know this all too well from personal experience. So, Marv assumes something might be up and calls out. Hey there, do you need help or something? Pretty loudly. Definitely loud enough to be heard. The guy keeps walking forward, staring directly at him. Marv is starting to get unnerved, and as I said, I know this guy well, and he's cool as a cucumber in a tense situation. Getting more uneasy, as the guy is closing the distance, he gets to his feet and loudly declares, Hey man, can I help you with something or what? The guy is 15 to 20 feet away from Marv now, standing at the edge of the clearing in the forest. The guy, looking Marv dead in the eyes, finally speaks and says clearly, Help me. Marv said that he was already starting to actually get worried at this point because he said the way the guy said this was as if something that didn't know exactly how to talk was saying help me or at least that's what he first thought. It just didn't sound right. The guy, still not moving, says help me. Again, slightly more emphatic but really just louder. Mars said this is when he picked up on what was truly wrong about this. He said the inflection of the voice was more female and actually sounded like a recording being played back and the guy's lip and mouth movements weren't matching up with the phrase. It was like he was just opening his mouth, emitting the phrase and closing it again. Marv asked, what do you need help with? not daring to move. The guy, still standing motionless and still looking directly at him, repeated the phrase another three times. Marv, now totally unsure what the hell is going on, interrupts the guy. Alright, you need to fucking go now, unless you actually need my help. Do you need my help or not? He continued loud and firm. The guy didn't miss a beat and started up with the help me's again and took another step in Marv's direction. Marv told me that he did the only thing that made sense in the moment. And Drew was 45, pointing it at the guy and telling him, You need to fucking go. I don't care what you want. The guy starts to get more animated and agitated, starting to say the phrase louder now, over and over, but not stepping closer or backing away. Marv did what he thought was right given his current predicament, Assuming that he was dealing with an unstable or potentially dangerous individual and discharged around into the ground in front of the guy. This is where it gets fully batshit crazy. As the guy stops uttering the phrase, goes silent, and still staring at Marv, full on backflips like gymnasts do, back into the woods and immediately out of sight. Now, I know what you're thinking because... I had and still have the same reaction. That sounds like bullshit, but Marv gave no indication of falsehood and told me this multiple times, each time in dead serious demeanor. Marv said that the guy backflipped away effortlessly as it pulled back by an unseen tension coil. He described it as completely humanly unnatural and totally out of place. Marv said he stood there focused on the forest where the guy had just flipped into and saw and heard no further movement. It was like the guy had never even been there. He stayed like this as the sun began to set and the normal night noises crept in. As I mentioned before, Marv is a pretty unshakable fellow and actually stayed in the area for the night and next night before returning with no further incident. And when he had told me and some other friends about this, of course, we had asked many questions. We asked him to elaborate on the guy's speech sounds. He said the more he thought about it after the incident, the more sure he was that it was definitely a female's voice coming from the guy. It was like he or it had heard someone say this and mimicked it like a parrot or other talking bird would. 
almost like a lore. He doesn't know what he wanted. He or it. It didn't give any indication to follow or say anything else. Marva's been back to the property since with no other strange occurrences. And the only other minute detail that I can think of is he did remember hearing during the early morning of the first night what sounded like a gunshot off in the distance and it did sound eerily similar to his 45. He thought that he may have heard it again on the hike back out. There are people that hunt in the area of course and it could have just been that but he couldn't be sure. Since this incident he did some online research of the whole Kisichi area and found many legends, stories, and supposed encounters dealing with skinwalkers and other unnerving bits of Native American folklore, not to mention mimics and other similar creatures. A lot of this encounter lines up with these tales, but there's nothing tangible to prove it. But even as a skeptic, it does make me wonder about strange things in the remote and untouched areas of our world that can't be explained. I'm the sort of person who is skeptical of any claims regarding the existence of the supernatural. My wife claims to see ghosts and dead people, and that she's an empath, and I'll concede that she's a very good guesser regarding other people's emotions and the history of places and families. But I can't accept her statements as facts because they're not empirically provable. With that said, you can believe me or not, but what I'm about to say is something that even I have a lot of trouble disbelieving. I can't say I've had any paranormal experiences in my life, but there are several things that happened to me when I was quite young that I simply can't explain. By the time I was about 12 to 18 months, I had either a memory or a very vivid imagination of my life before birth. I was floating up in the sky, standing on thin air, with no land in any direction. In front of me was a kindly middle-aged Native American man wearing a plain white robe. He asked me if I was ready. Some kind of vision flashed before my eyes, and when I said yes, I somehow descended and experienced my own birth. Keep in mind that this was before I was able to comprehend what birth was. I also didn't know about Native Americans yet. When I was about six or seven, I started getting very distinct mental images of something extremely disturbing. What I saw was a tanned, mummified looking, emaciated dead face. The eyes were glassy but somehow horribly alive, and the lips and nose were shrunken. The creepiest thing about the face was the too wide smile and a full set of very white teeth. When I was 9 or 10, I read for the first time about some expedition in the Antarctic where several ill-fated members of an expeditionary group died and were left behind. Their bodies were recovered in the 20th century and the article I was reading had images of them. I had never seen a frozen body before, but as soon as I saw those pictures, I immediately correlated what I was reading with the thing I'd seen earlier in life. From that point onward, I started having almost real waking visions in a way that's hard to explain. More than just in my mind's eye, and yet not exactly as if it were actually in front of me, of something that is basically my worst nightmare. It was an eight or nine foot tall, I know this because its head almost touched the ceiling, frozen corpse, completely naked, with long arms and legs. It was the same face I had seen before in my mind, with shrunken features, etc. Only now, it had a full body that was just as emaciated and mummified as the head and neck were. I only saw it on cloudy days in the late fall or winter, and always when it was between me and a window, so it was sort of backlit. It never made any motion to do anything. It just stared down at me with a horrible grin. In high school, I got into Wikipedia at some point and finally learned what the thing was. The Wendigo. For those who don't know, it's a mythical spirit creature in Algonquin legend. 
I was born in Connecticut and have about 1% Native American blood in me from about 400 years ago. My first traceable ancestors in America came over shortly after the Mayflower and one of them married a Native American woman. According to legend, the Wendigo was an evil spirit associated with starvation, the winter, and cannibalism. It either lured desperate people into eating their fellow humans during the winter, or possessed those who did resort to cannibalism. There are various stories about how it looked, but most of them agree that it looks like a frozen corpse, generally taller than a human. And no, it doesn't have antlers like in all the modern depictions you'll find via Google search. It reportedly can ride on the winter wind, mimic human voices to lure the unwary into ambushes, and has a heart made of ice. Here's the thing, I experienced this before I ever identified what the creature was, or even knew about the legends. Only after almost a decade of intermittently seeing the Wendigo did I come across this description, courtesy of the Wikipedia article. The Wendigo was got to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering the separations of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. I've done some further research, and all the information I found from various sources all concurs with what I saw. So, I'm remotely linked to the Native Americans with whom the legend originated. I have always had a deathly, no pun intended, fear of dead bodies, especially mummified looking ones, and I saw a creature from their stories long before I learned that what I saw matched their traditional descriptions perfectly. I was, and still am, skeptical, but even I can't ignore these coincidences. I'm also a Christian, Presbyterian, and therefore am quite weary of any claims of ghosts or supernatural entities inhabiting the world due to my beliefs. But even so, this thing has stuck with me for years. I saw it earlier today, which is why I'm here at all. Does anyone have any insights? I've considered seeking out a highly knowledgeable Algonquin person to figure out what to do, but I'm torn because I also have some reservations about that from a religious perspective. Also, I promise this post is sincere and not a fictional account that should be posted elsewhere. It sounds pretty fantastic, even to me, the person who experienced it, but I can't shake the feeling that this isn't just my imagination. So, a little backstory. I was 15 years old, living in a farming town in northern New York. My father is a hard-working and productive member of society, even though I grew up fairly poor. We spent our fall season in the woods, hunting for a hefty white-tailed deer to feed the family for most of the winter. We would usually go out at around 3.30pm when I got home from school and he from work and stay out until dark, which would be around 6 o'clock. One night, in the season of 2006, stands out in my mind. Fast forward to around 5pm. As the sun got lower in the sky, the snow-covered woods took on a hazy grayish color and it became increasingly hard to distinguish shapes, so I descended my tree to sort of refresh my vision. As I'm carefully and quietly descending, I hear a crunching sound coming from my left, just about the area my father was sitting. I thought, awesome, we can get out of this creepiness now. So I picked my pace up, making as little noise as possible. When I hit the ground though, all hope of going home shifted to worry. I looked over in the direction of the crunching of the snow, expecting to see my father. But, instead, what I saw was the black outline of the biggest behemoth of a white-tailed deer that I'd ever seen about a hundred yards out. With my hands shaking, I pulled my rifle up to align a shot. But, 
it changed. It like melted into a figure that was not a deer at all, except for the antlers. It was bipedal and hunched over. I blinked and looked back through the scope because I thought it was some kind of illusion or something. It was not an illusion. He was gangly, hunched over and not moving, with fur all over and an elongated head with antlers. Still doubting what I was looking at, I shouted, Hey! With my sight still on it. It stood up, and when it did, I saw just how damn big it was. Probably around seven foot tall or so, and really skinny with long arms. It also had a snout like a deer, and fangs like teeth bared. It startled me. I took a hurried shot, and booked the fuck out of there, not looking back once. Then, about a quarter of the way home, I heard yelling and three shots come from the woods, so I stopped and looked back for the first time, to see my dad bursting out of the woods, yelling for me to run home. When we got there, we waited to catch our breath before going inside where my mother was. While we were catching our breath, he told me to not tell her what we saw out there. I wanted to share this because a few months ago, a friend of mine asked me, Hey, have you heard anything about a huge black deer that somebody spotted on your road? I live in a small town in the country. There are more cows than people, and some of the buildings are really old. This happened when I was about 8 years old. And this is the first time I brought myself to tell this story. And I only have the courage because I'm far away from the trees. I lived in a valley and the woods surrounded our house on all sides. Now, my entire family has lived in these valleys and hills for generations. And there are countless stories of paranormal things happening to all of us. Several strange things have happened to me. But this is one of the most terrifying. So... Living in a small town in the middle of nowhere, there wasn't really anything to do other than hike. I loved hiking and would repeatedly walk in the woods for hours. There was an old story that my great-grandmother told me of a creature that lived in the woods and would stalk anyone who entered. As a kid, I thought, yeah right, it was probably just a trick of the trees or something. But this day, I stayed out a little later than I intended to and it started getting dark. Turning back, I began to walk towards my house, when I heard a noise behind me. It wasn't uncommon to see a chipmunk or a bird, but when I turned around, there was nothing there. Shrugging it off, I continued, but the sounds behind me got louder and louder. You could hear the leaves rustle and the branches snap behind me. I began to get scared. You always hear those stories of kids being kidnapped when they're alone, so I began to run. Not the smartest, because I tripped over a branch and fell, skinning my knee pretty bad. I turned around, thinking I was done for. But, again, there was nothing behind me. Just trees and leaves. It was dead quiet. Even the wind wasn't rustling. And there wasn't a single bird singing. Feeling pretty silly, I got up, brushed myself off, and turned to walk the rest of the way home. And then I saw it. To this day, I don't know what it was. It wasn't a bear. It wasn't a deer. I live in the country, and I know what they look like. This thing was in the distance, staring at me. It was covered in fur, and had these piercing white eyes. What are like horns? or antlers, were protruding from his head. It knew I saw it, because it smiled. And I swear, all of its teeth were sharp fangs. I instantly wanted to scream and run, but when I looked into its eyes, I was frozen. I couldn't even blink, let alone scream. I could only stand there dumbly as it got closer and closer. The closer it got, the more bony it looked. Its limbs were long, and it looked starved. It stank like rotting meat, and I felt like crying, but I couldn't. 
I honestly thought I was done for. And then it stopped. Its head tilted and it just looked at me, then turned and simply walked away. When it left, I could move again, and when I thought I could walk without falling, I ran as fast as I could. I shut myself in my room and bawled my eyes out for hours. I didn't go back in the woods for years, and even now, I'm weary of it. I don't know what it was or why it was there, but I got the message loud and clear. Stay away. That happened well over 10 years ago and was really the only major experience I had in the woods, until recently. Now, growing up, I've seen more strange things in the woods than I can count, but most of them aren't anything to be concerned with, except recently, something dark has been moving in the woods. It looks like a man sometimes, but seems to change shape. It ducks in between the trees and hides just on the edge of the woods. I thought I was crazy, but my close friends have seen it too. This thing, it seems to give off an uneasy feeling. One of my friends were pushed down the hill and swears that she saw this dark entity out of the corner of her eye when it happened. Another of my friends swears they heard laughter coming from the trees. This thing gives me the creeps. I'm not sure if this is a shadow man or a wendigo or even the same creature I saw when I was younger, but it definitely isn't friendly. Does anyone have any idea what this thing is? Is it the Wendigo? Or are there two different entities?